Good morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. So glad to see you here. So glad to have you with us. If you haven't heard, we have a motto around here. Some of you know it. You know it by heart, and you're going to help me with it right now, right? Okay? You ready for this? Okay? At the count of three, one, two, three. No matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. Yeah. What an exciting time. Hey, let's be praying that we don't get uh, moved back outside again. You know, numbers are spiking up around here. But you know what? If we do, we know how to handle it, don't we? We've done this before. This ain't our first rodeo, although two seems like a very small amount of rodeos to become an expert. But you know what I'm just saying, you know, we've done this before. We know what we're doing. Do you ever find yourself these days of kind of imagining what the future is going to be like and hoping it's going to be a little easier? You know, I, uh, I'm always a guy who's thinking about the future all the time. Sometimes I live in the future a little bit to the detriment of the present. I think it goes back to when, when I, I was a kid and I watched Back to the Future 2. All right, you remember that movie, Back to the Future 2? You got a glimpse of that distant future day of 2015, <laughs> which was, you know, a long time ago now, like five or six years ago now. And uh, you got this glimpse of this world that had cool things like flying cars and, and hoverboards. All right, straight up, 80s, 90s kids in here. Who of you wish there was a hoverboard? You know, wanted a hoverboard so bad. It's probably a very good thing that I was never on a hoverboard. I can't roller skate. I can't do anything but basically stand here. And I might fall over today, even though I'm stone cold sober and I've only ever been high on Jesus. I might tip over right now. So those of you who are in the front row, be prepared. Be prepared to catch. But uh, a lot of the future stuff didn't quite work out. We didn't get the flying cars. We didn't get the hoverboards. We didn't, uh, we didn't get the little ovens that like instantly make a pizza. That appealed to me. Uh, did get a few of those things. We, we do have like video conferencing. That's a thing. It's not uh, very good. If you've ever had to do Zoom calls and stuff, they're not that great. But, you know, we make them work. And uh, we got the little robots that clean our houses. That's a thing. Uh, the Roomba things, you know what the Roombas are? Those are really cool. Those are handy. Those are amazing, except they have not figured out the technology for the Roomba to detect when the dog has had an accident when you're away. And you might come home and find out that this miraculous little robot that cleans your house has not cleaned your house. It has painted your house. It has painted your floor. That's a horrible, horrible thing. So I, I do want to talk to you about the future today. Not like 20, 30 years in the future, okay? I, I want to talk about the, the ultimate future. The future that we're going to share with God. Eternity. What does eternity look like? What is that going to be like? This future that we share with the Lord. Um, well, when you see like the afterlife depicted in, in like TV or in, in uh, comics or memes or, or cartoons, it, it's always got a lot of clouds. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, maybe I'm a little out of date with my Looney Tunes references, but, you know, the Looney Tunes character gets an anvil dropped on him, a boulder, a boulder dropped on him, and he floats up in the sky on a cloud, and he's just chilling, playing a harp, wearing a white Snuggie. I mean, he looks comfortable. And that looks like a good thing, good way to spend eternity for like two days, all right? I could chill and lay around for like two days, maybe, but then I want to be doing something else. An eternity of just laying around on the cloud doesn't sound very appealing to me. 
Good news for you and for me. We will not spend eternity like that. God has a future plan for us, for his people, where we are living in this amazing community that is centered on the glory and the presence and the love of God. It's going to be really something. And I, I want to talk to you about this time. We're in Revelation 21. This, uh, it, it's going to be a day when, when everything that breaks your heart will have faded away and God will have made all things new. A new world is on the way. That's what I want to tell you. A new world is on the way. Casey, I think there's a slide that says that. A new world is on the way. And that's what I want to drive home to you today. We're in Revelation 21. It's the next to last chapter of the whole Bible. Can you believe we're like 10 weeks, I think, into this study of the end times? Hope you're learning some things. It's been good for me to kind of go back through that again. That's been a subject that, that I've studied a lot through the years. And we've been through a lot of the difficult stuff, frankly. Most of this end time stuff is, is not very pleasant. A lot of bad things are going to go down. However, the end of it all is going to be amazing and beautiful. And we're, we're going to get there. Something I've tried to emphasize through this whole thing is, is we want you to know God doesn't want anybody to, to suffer through those days. Doesn't want anybody to come to a bad end like that. And that's why he sent Jesus and we believe with all our hearts that Jesus is the key to having a transformed life here and now and a much different, much better experience in the life that follows this life. So we're all about Jesus here. If you look about, uh, look on the, our website or look in our brochure about who we are and what we stand for, the first line says, we are a community of life and love leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. So we're a bunch of them crazy, them crazy Jesus people on the corner and that's okay. <laughs> you don't have to be a crazy Jesus person to hang out with us, but I'm warning you, the Jesus stuff will rub off on you if you hang out with us, all right? Can I say amen to that, Jesus people? It's going to rub off on you. So uh, we have gone past all the, the tough stuff. We've gone past the rapture and the tribulation period, the millennial kingdom, and the final judgment. We're finally getting to talk about what happens after all of this is over, and we're finally at that place where we have arrived. We finally arrived where we're going to spend eternity. So I'm going to take it a bite at a time, like a verse at a time. It's kind of more Bible study style. So when, this is Revelation 21, 1. I'm going to read that for us, and then I'll pray for us. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name. You will speak to us about this future that you have for us, this new world you're going to bring into being in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we've learned a lot through this journey, through the end times, not just the, the details about the, the wild plagues and judgment, but some big picture things like how God uses trials and tribulations to bring renewal in our lives. We've learned how God keeps his promises even when it seems like they're a long time coming. And we've learned this, this big picture thing that uh, this world that we're living in is going to come to a conclusion. And a new world is coming. So the smartest thing we can do is not live for a world that's on its way out, but to live for the new world that God is bringing in. So the heart verses, verse for this series has been 2 Peter 3.11. I think Casey can bring that up for us here. I want to read that again with a little more of the context with it. 2 Peter 3.11, and we're going to get verses 12 and 13. 
Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives we should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he's promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. So that's, uh, that's dramatic. <laughs> it's kind of an echo of what happened in the flood in the days of Noah. You remember that story, don't you? Where God flooded the whole earth and the earth was cleansed with water. But in the next great cleansing, it will be with fire. And that sounds scary. Nothing to be afraid of, though, because this is not a judgment. This is a preparation for something better to come. Nobody's going to be harmed in it, but it will be one crazy bonfire. So if you ever like to like go to a bonfire or something, this is going to be one big old bonfire. God is bringing about a new world here, a new reality filled with his righteousness. It's going to take us a little while to explore what that means, so we're just going to take it a bite at a time. You all ready to learn something here? Ready? All right, let's do that. So I think the next verse there, we're just going to go back to verse 1. It should be the next one in the line. And um, we, we read that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and the first earth had passed away, and we got some um, words from Peter there about how that's going to happen. And then we have the line, there is no more sea. Now, some of you are already upset because any version of eternity where you can't put your toes in the sand and hear the waves does not sound like heaven to you. All right, where, where are my ocean beach people? I am married to an ocean person. I'm more of a mountain person, so I'm here all the time. I'm living in paradise all the time. But uh, if, if you uh, would miss the ocean really badly, I can, I can see how it would feel a little strange. I mean, how can it be a wonderful eternity if there's no sea? I, I get that feeling. Hey, I don't know if there's going to be Dr. Pepper in eternity. We all got problems, right? I mean... Here's, much, here's as much as I can tell you. We don't have all the details about every little thing that we present or not present. But you, I promise you this, you will not look around and feel like something is missing. You won't say, hey, this place would be good. This is a good place, but if it just, you know, you might say, yeah, eternity's nice and all, but if I could just get one of those Oreo McFlurries from McDonald's, then this place would be like really paradise, okay? Notice all my food references. It's just near and dear to my heart. So Dr. Pepper and Oreo McFlurries, that's where it's at, and that's uh, not good for me. <laughs> but anyway, I do want you to know, nothing will feel like it's missing. You won't look around and say, this would be even better if this thing were here. And if it's any consolation to you, if you still like water, got to have some water, there's going to be an amazing river up there. Don't know if there's going to be fish in it, but maybe. Maybe we'll catch some fish. I do not know. Don, we'll put some trout in it, all right? We'll go, we'll go ahead and plan to put some trout in the river of life, and we'll see if God's cool with that. I don't know. These are things I can't promise, but something, it's not going to feel like anything's missing. Something we need to keep in mind, though, as we read this passage about there being no more sea, is that people in the ancient world viewed the sea very differently than we do today. Typically, most people view the ocean as a place that you go for vacation, a getaway spot. In the ancient world, it wasn't necessarily viewed that way. 
It was viewed as a place, yes, to go and, and catch fish and provide for your family, but it was also seen as an incredibly dangerous place that might kill you because the ships of that time were not made to withstand storms. They just didn't have the technology. It was a, it was a place where if you went out on a sea voyage, there was a decent chance you wouldn't come back. Donnie here in the front row spent years as a commercial fisherman. You tell us the sea can be a dangerous, terrifying place. It'll kill you. Now, we go out on the beach, and we put out our chairs and our umbrellas, and, but we ain't the ones getting out there. You know, It was viewed in the ancient world as a source of danger and uncertainty. So the people who first read this, the people who first received this message, their first notion would not have been, well, darn, there goes our vacation. It would have been, okay, here is one of the greatest sources of uncertainty and fear in the world, and it's been removed. So maybe that's a better way for us to look at it, not as something is being taken away in a negative sense, but rather the world is finally a safe place that a world that is free of worry and fear of any kind. That actually sounds pretty good. Okay, does that sound good to you? A place where we don't have to worry anymore. We don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to, there's, there's no more dangerous uncertainty anymore. That sounds pretty good. So verse 2, let's go on to verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. There's a lot there. That's an interesting sort of picture. It's like a, a city who's a bride, and we're going to get deeper into that probably next week, but today I just really want to focus on, uh, on what the conditions will be like. The New Jerusalem will be the city that we are living in in that time. I've told you all before, I'm a country boy. Can you tell? Can you tell by my accent that I'm not a city kid? that I grew up in the suburbs of Silvatus. Some of y'all know where Silvatus is and uh, realize suburbs of Silvatus. Is that a thing? Yes, it is. And not the affluent suburbs, of, you know, like the Countrywood section. That's like the affluent suburbs. We're just in the normal suburbs of Silvatus over where I live. So I'm not a city kid at heart, but this will be an exception. I'll live in this city, and I'll like it here. This is going to be a great, great place. So We'll get more into that next week, Lord willing, the Lord allows. But today we're going to go into verse 3. Verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Let me tell you all something. This is so big for us. Living here on planet earth, there are times when it feels like God is far away. And I don't care how big your faith is, you are going to have experiences where it feels like God is far away from you. Where your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling or disappearing into the night. And, and it, we, know, we know God is with us all the time, but it does not always feel that way, does it? No. But in this day, God will live with us in such an open and obvious, incredible, full way. Later, we're going to see that God's presence is so pervasive and so glorious that in the New Jerusalem, there will not need to be any other sources of light. The presence of God will be the light 
for that place. We're not able to imagine a world that has light without an obvious source like a light bulb or the sun. But in that day, the presence of God will be the light. In this world that God is going to bring into being, this new world, he'll be closer than a neighbor, closer than a spouse. His presence will permeate the whole world and every breath we breathe, we'll be breathing him in. I know that's pretty poetic stuff, but man, a world where God is so real and so present like that, that's going to be more than we can ever imagine. Imagine the moment where you felt the closest to God in your life and multiply it by infinity and you're getting pretty close to it. So now, oh man, oh man, I've been waiting for this next verse. This is one of my favorite verses of all time and Maybe even my favorite verse of all time. It's like a couple. It's right up in the top few. This is Revelation 21.4. If you've been saving some amens, all right, this is the time. This is the time for the amens right here. And it goes like this. I might just pause and let y'all have the amen moment. Now, some of us grew up Baptist and are a little leery about throwing an amen in there, okay? So we're just all going to pretend for a moment we grew up Pentecostal, all right? Just going, you know, we got, we got some, we got a little bit of everything in this room right now. So uh, we're just all going to play Pentecostal right now, okay? So I'm just, here it goes, like this, in this future day, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Mm, that's good stuff. That is good stuff right there. In this world that God is going to bring into being, there will be no more reason to cry. Everything that breaks your heart will be passed away. There will be no mourning over losing someone you love. That's gone. There will be nothing to grieve your heart ever again. Nothing to hurt you ever again. Everything that's ever hurt you will be washed away. That's the world that he's bringing. The scriptures say all of these old things have passed away. That's not quite the same as the way we use the term here in the South. Someone has passed away. It's more like they're obsolete now. They belong to a different world now. These things, tears and sorrow and pain and death, that belongs to a world that no longer exists. They don't exist in this new world that God is bringing into existence. In that day they'll be obsolete we won't need to cry death itself will be gone and as good as dead there'll be no more depression no more cancer no more broken hearts no more guilt no more shame no more pain amen verse 5 says and he who sat on the throne said behold i make all things new And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. God's going to make all things new. All things new is the title of this message. If you're the kind of person who's into message titles, all things new. I want you to know God is going to make all things new. A new world is on the way. You and I live in a world where the new things that come don't always seem so pleasant. And the situations that we wish would change 
seem not to change. I dare say you can think of a thing or two in your life, in your circle, in your family, in your work, that you wish would change for the better. That you wish some newness would come to that. But it feels like it's never going to change. It feels like nothing's ever going to get better in that particular area. This world's enough to beat the hope out of you. Have you ever felt as though you've got the hope beat out of you? I sure have. Me and my family, we know something about staring in the face of impossibility every single day. We know it. And yet we have the promise that these words are true and faithful. The day is coming when God will make all things new. So here's what we're going to do. If you feel like you can do this physically, do it. If you can't do this physically, then just do it in your spirit. But I'm just going to imagine, just imagine that impossible situation. That thing in your life, in your family, your circle, that it seems like it won't ever change. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe it's a relationship issue. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just trying to pay your bills and that ain't quite happening. Whatever it is that God's, that's in your life that you wish God would change and it doesn't seem to go away. Let's just imagine we got that in the palm of our hand right now. You got it right there. I'm just going to hold it right there in my hand. And right now, we're just going to lift it up to God. Just push it right up through the ceiling to the Lord. And we're going to give it to him and say, Lord, we know that you can do something with this because we can't. Make this new Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. And let me tell you, God can bring newness to the most impossible situations. We have seen miracles Miracle after miracle. And sometimes the greatest miracle isn't just changing our situation to suit us. Sometimes it's changing us. That can be a bigger miracle when something inside us changes. Let's look at verses 6 and 7. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. It is done. It is done. Look at verse 6, if you'll put it on verse 6. It is done. That mirrors the words of Jesus on the cross, doesn't it? What did he say on the cross? It is finished. And here he's finishing. Everything is done. Everything is done, and it is finally time. You know, that makes me think, I, gotta, I keep going back to the same subject, but it's near and dear to my heart. You know, Thanksgiving time, and it's actually done, and it's time to eat. And it's, it's done. The turkey's done. The yeast rolls are done. Your mama didn't know you already been sneaking pieces of ham, but it's done. And it's time. Mama knew. Mama knew the whole time. My mom don't even fight that fight anymore. She'll say, there's some ham in there if y'all boys want some. And uh, we go in there. Yeah. So it's done. It's finally time to feast. It's finally time to party. The work is over. You've just clocked out on a rough work week, and it's the weekend. It's time. Woohoo! Yes, indeed. It's time. It's time to party. And this will be when we finally clock out for good, and it's all done, and it's all party from here on out. That sounds pretty good to me. It's finished. It's done. It's ready. It's time to celebrate. The Lord identifies himself here as the Alpha and Omega. Those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet in which the New Testament was originally written. 
Alpha and Omega. They're roughly equivalent to A and the long O in the English languages. So we would say the A and the O, which doesn't sound nearly as poetic, does it? He's the Alpha and Omega. That is a, a way of him saying that he is the beginning and the end. You see, the, the whole story is really his story. The story of the universe is, the, is a story of Jesus. He's the central character of this whole thing. And it, it starts with him. It ends with him in a very real way. History is his story. That's what it is. He says he'll give the water of life to those who come. The water of life. I've told you, I've hinted at, there, there's going to be a river and a fountain in this city. So there will be some physical water there, but he's talking here about salvation and renewal and, and putting a wellspring of water inside of us so we're, we're never dried up spiritually or otherwise. And he says he gives it freely. Freely. Salvation and eternal life are right there to those who will receive it from Jesus freely. And finally, he adds in verse 7 something that might seem at first that it, it contradicts the freely part until we understand it better. It says um, that he who overcomes shall inherit all things. He who overcomes. What's it mean to overcome? Do we, do we have to win some kind of victory in order to get to the family of God? Do we have to like go through an obstacle course or some sort of a challenge? Do we have to climb some, some mountain or, or like... You know, um, walk up the hill at the ball field without running out of breath. All right, for those who are playing some softball. I mean, is that what we have to do? We have to prove ourselves somehow? Well, we've got a little problem there. Because of our human weakness, if any bit of getting into God's family depended on us, we'd mess it up. We would eventually mess it up somehow. If we have to make this perfect grade all the time we couldn't do it thankfully the word of god shows again and again that the victory is not ours but the victory is the lord's jesus wins the victory time and time again he's the one jesus paid it all any any salvation that depends on our strength or our perfection or our accomplishment that's not going to work so when it talks about he who overcomes shall inherit all things i want you to understand this it's not people who are overcomers who will be saved. It's saved people who will be overcomers. There's a difference there. There's a difference. This isn't about making some heroic effort to prove your faith. It's more the fact that real faith endures. When everything else burns down, real faith is there. Have you ever heard stories about, say, a home burning down and like one item surviving or something? I've heard stories of like somebody's class ring or like a family Bible or something survived. See, faith is the thing that survives when everything else burns down. It's still there. That's what faith is. And the problem, of course, when everything burns down, we find out usually we didn't have as much faith as we thought. You notice when when things are pretty easy, relatively easy, it's easier to have good feelings towards God. But when everything starts burning down, it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to hold on. 
And part of the reason is it's easy to think we have big faith when we're only dealing with small problems. But when we hit big problems, we find out our faith isn't that big. But God can take the faith that's the size of a mustard seed and use it to move mountains. So if you got real faith, if you've really trusted in Jesus, it's going to endure. And you are going to overcome. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but you will overcome. And it's not even dependent on you. You will overcome. If you are saved, you will overcome. You are brought into the family of God and you will receive your inheritance with the children of God. Oh man, we got one more verse and it's a heartbreaker. Part of me wishes we could just skip over this, but I know we really can't. It's, it would not be right to skip over. It's Revelation 21, 8. Here we get one more sad reminder of, of what happens when people opt out of the family of God, when people choose not to receive what the living water Jesus is giving. <clears throat> it reads like this, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with, burn, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Mm. That's sad stuff. Now, throughout this series, I have been careful to emphasize this is not a fate that God wants for anybody. The, Jesus came and laid down his life so nobody would have to have this. Nevertheless, he leaves the choice to us. We can choose to trust in Jesus or choose to trust in ourselves. But if we trust in ourselves and our own righteousness, we are in trouble. Now, we look at this list, a lot of stuff on that list. But we might not see our particular issue on the list. That doesn't mean we're in the clear. See, the word tells us that all have, fallen, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In one way or another, we all fall short. When it comes to pass or fail, none of us passes on our own merit. And, and that includes the most miserable mess who knows their life is a train wreck and then the most hoity-toity religious person who thinks they got it all figured out. Now, frankly, as a pastor, I'd, I'd rather be around some people who know they're a mess. So if you know you're a mess, you're my people. You're my people. If you think you got it all figured out, well, we're glad to have you here, but I don't know if we can help you. But if you're ready to see what God can do with a mess, we can help you there. God can do great things with a mess. All of us need to choose Jesus in the end. All of us need to choose Jesus, and the choice is yours. There's a new world on the way. New world on the way. And it's going to be like nothing we've ever seen. It's going to be this beautiful, amazing place. Uh, I, I've been thinking about the scriptures here. And um, an old hymn came to mind. Some of you have been asking for an old hymn. All right. So you're going to help me sing this, right? The old hymn, Blessed Assurance. I just want to sing a line of that. So uh, you don't have to stand up. But you do have to sing. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation. Purchase of God, 
Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Eternity is going to be amazing, y'all. I want you to be in on that. You want to be in on that? Please be in on that. We're going to be in perfect fellowship with God. Perfect fellowship with each other. Everything that have hurt you, it's hurt you, will melt away. You know, we can have a little bit of that right now. Just a little bit. We can love God. We can love people. We can serve others. We can, we can bring a little heaven on earth. You ever been around somebody who seemed to bring a little heaven on earth? Let's be those somebodies. Because a lot of other people seem to be bringing the other place on earth. We want to be something different. We want to be something to show God's love has changed us, has renewed us. See, behind all this messages of, these messages of the end times is this truth that knowing that this world is coming to an end, concluding at some point, we should be different people. It's not enough for us to know the facts of the Bible. It should change who we are because you know some people who know the facts of the Bible and it does not seem to have changed the way they relate to other people. That is not what we're about. That is not what we're about. I, I just want to pray for us now. And if you've got business to deal with with God, you, you do that business. Father in heaven, you have said a new world is on the way. And until it comes, I pray we can live like new people. Lord, for every saved person receiving this message, I pray we'll live in newness of life. Loving people in a way that we could not love before. And I want to pray for everyone who's still searching. Who's still trying to find the truth. That you would speak into their hearts so powerfully. That they would find peace and life and renewal in Jesus. And be a part of all these amazing things to come. In Jesus name. Amen. As always, God bless you guys. I pray for you, you pray for me, okay? Lord willing, we'll see you next week.